You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Radio of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,193. Having grown to be a major player in their industry, Pacific Rim Capital is hitting exciting historical moments. They make sure to work closely with their clients giving them control for their future. CEO Dave Mirsky joins us to share more about their achievements and their inspiration. Dave, welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, my friend. Thank you, Rick. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been, but it's good to have you back. For those of you that are regular listeners, you know we're in our 10th year here this month of March. Each show that we're doing, we're celebrating the fact that we've been continuously interviewing business leaders like Dave, Dave's our 1,509th interview that we've done over those 10 years, so it's great to have a returning guest to talk about all the progress that you've made with your business. When we get started, let's start by, for those that may not know Pacific Rim Capital, could you tell us what you do, what makes you unique, and kind of what's been the fuel that's driven your growth and success, sir? Sure. Well, Pacific Rim Capital is a lessor. We specialize in financing large fleets of material handling equipment. So really that would be anything that with wheels that moves or rolls around a factory or a distribution center, but not something that you would drive over the road. Think forklifts, think tractors, all sorts of equipment like that. So we, we specialize in leasing those large fleets, and we work pretty much strictly with large investment-grade multinational credits, all household name kind of customers. You know, we've managed to prosper in that space by understanding what those customers want and making sure we add value. And how long has Pacific Rim Capital been in business, David? Uh, my partner, Mark Mills, and I started the company in 1990. Okay. So we, we are in our, our about to start our 30th year, uh, September 4th, which wow. be our 29th uh, birthday. So our first guest here on Critical Mass Radio Show earlier, uh, celebrating 25 years this year, you're getting ready to celebrate 30. It's great to have these long-term successful entrepreneurs and business owners on Critical Mass Radio Show and podcast. You must have seen quite a change. I'm assuming this. Tell me. Have you seen much change in your industry since you and your partner started? Oh, man. (laughs) A lot of change. You know, most industries uh, start out... um, full of innovators and eventually mature. Mm-hmm. And in my time in this industry, I've seen that entire arc. Um, I started in this business in uh, the late 70s, and we started our company, as I said, in 1990. I probably had 700 competitors at that time. And uh, at this time, I would say we have maybe two or three that are significant in our space. So it's been a uh, a huge winnowing out of uh, competitors, uh, innovation now moving towards more larger companies, big banks getting involved in the business, which has really changed the, the uh, business very much. Now, I would assume you've benefited from that consolidation, but again, that's an unsubstantiated thought. So tell me, how have you benefited from that consolidation, if you have? I, well, we have very much, because Large companies are idiosyncratic. Everyone is different from everyone else, and they all want business done exactly the way they prefer it. So when a business becomes very large and cookie-cutter the way banks need to do it, they can't respond to these customized transactions that we do. So we are in a niche where we can create solutions specifically for that customer. 
So, for example, I'll be leasing Nissan's uh, forklifts in the U.S. and in Mexico, combining information together for them and providing value that way, where a, a large lender really doesn't have that sort of flexibility. We can create all sorts of different structures for them, really anything they want, any term, um, any structure, as long as it makes financial sense. It's something that we can put together. Whereas, you know, lenders are, are very much rigid and they're regulated, so they don't have the flexibility to be creative the way we can. So you've never lost that entrepreneurial spirit, even after oh. approaching 30 years, right? You're always willing to find a way to do a good deal and to satisfy a customer's need is what it sounds like you're saying. Absolutely. And to break into a new market. We broke into Mexico about 2007. That's become a very major part of our business. Uh-huh. And we expect to be opening up in Asia in the next 12 months. Wow. So so that, that brings me to the question about the name. Where's, where did the name Pacific Rim Capital come from? <laughs> well, the truth is that back in 1990, the world was afraid that uh, the Japanese banks were going to take over everything. Uh-huh. So when we started our business, we wanted to sort of give that Im- implication that we were backed by a Japanese bank. Plus, we were doing a lot of business in Japan, but it was a different type of business. It really wasn't leasing business. It was more of a trading business that took advantage of the difference in uh, currencies. But because we did do business in Japan and Korea, we, we were able to sort of save Pacific Rim Capital and make that implication without ever you know saying anything. We would never uh, lie to anybody. If they asked us directly, we would tell them we were completely independent. But it was a good name for the time. Interesting. Did, did you have specific training, education, or background that attracted you to this type of business, Dave? Uh, really, uh, it was a lucky thing. Um, I graduated from college in 1976 in upstate New York, and I decided I wanted to live in California, so I took the first job I could get that was appropriate for a college graduate, which was uh, working for the May Company in their executive training program. That was not I wasn't suited for that very much, and I really wanted to get into high tech. And through a various uh, incarnations, I fell into a job where uh, I was involved in leasing high-tech equipment. So I moved you know, from the high-tech into the leasing of high-tech, and I, I basically, that's what I did until 1990 when I started my business. And we were a high-tech lessor, really, until uh, about 2004 when I moved us completely into capital equipment. And, and why was that move the right move at the time? Well, there was a time, uh, some people may remember, when you had many manufacturers that were producing personal computers, you, and they were all fighting for market share. You had Dell, and Compaq, IBM, HP, and so forth. Right. So they started to use leasing as a uh, weapon. In other words, just like they do with cars, if you lease your car from a certain brand, you'll be more likely to lease the next one. So the same concept. If you leased your computer from Dell, you'd be more likely to lease the next one. Hmm. And because our business is very much based upon residual values and the estimate of what equipment will be worth at the end of the lease, what, what I saw was that the pricing and the residual values were separating completely because the, the goal was not to really put together economic transaction. It was to sell more equipment. So I really saw the profit margins deteriorating uh, a lot, and that's one reason a lot of my competitors were gone today. Hmm. So I slowly moved us into capital equipment, and I found this particular asset, forklifts, was an excellent asset for the type of business that we wanted to do. 
And uh, so I did more and more of it until I said, that's all we're going to do. Wow. Interesting how you, uh, so this is an abject lesson for those that are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show live on OC Talk Radio or maybe as a podcast on one of our platforms in the future. The the things you need to do to remain relevant and viable as a business is this continuing looking for the right niches and places for your business to survive and thrive. Right? Right. And exactly. And I would... I would also caution people to experiment, but don't always don't bet the ranch. You know, stick a foot in the water, see if it feels good, then move further and further into it. Um, and that by doing, I'm always trying new experiments in different markets to see what sticks. Well, so we opened up in Europe. We didn't do very well. We opened up in Mexico. That that turned out to be a boon. So really, you don't always know. Yeah, so that that leads me naturally to a question that I wanted to ask you, which was, um, can you think about a time in the business where you experienced, you failed at something, you know, something that was important to you at the time? And if you can think of one off the cuff, maybe you can give us the circumstances of this and share a little bit with our audience of the lessons that you might have learned from that experience, Dave. Okay. Well, this is uh, what we were just talking about was more of an unintended consequence, but I do have a a, a period of, of failure where we, we grew at 30% compound for 11 years straight after we started the company. So we were growing, doing fantastically well, and then we sort of hit a wall and stayed flat for a few years. Then things got bad in the uh, you know financial markets and so on, and our profits dropped by 70%. So 2005 and six were very, very tough years for us. And um, what I decided to do was completely revamp our approach. I, I analyzed our sales. And I found out that we really made most of our money from a few very large customers, but we had activity in hundreds of, of uh, accounts. And I reasoned that salespeople love activity. They don't really always care about the economically beneficial activity. Hmm. So, I, so I finally said, no calls to anyone that is not an investment-grade, household-name, multinational, like a Nissan. And when we did that, our business immediately jumped. Then we had the financial crisis, and at that point in time, uh, you could either get cheap money for a very good credit or no money because <laughs> it was a fear-driven recession, if you remember. I do. And so all my competitors were absolutely not, you know, G Capital, people like that. I just started adding ca- account after account. So that recession was a fantastic boon for us, and that's, uh, I think, my most interesting failure that led to an unintended uh, success. Wow, you're kind of wrapping up two things I like to talk about here all into one story. Exactly, exactly. And we grew from then on. Uh, from about 2006 on, we grew, we, and we our last seven years, uh, six of them have been records. Jeez. And we are now half-owned by a Japanese bank. <laughs> okay. So it all worked out. Yeah. Well, I love it when a, when a plan comes together like that. You know, right. um, you're giving a lot of great insight and advice, and hopefully those that are listening to it will share it with others because I think, a lot in business is transferable. You know, it's not unique to one space. You can figure out how to apply it, these lessons. I believe in peer learning. I know that you do as well. But I'm wondering if you could share with our audience kind of where are you going today to get outside perspective insights on maybe the challenges that you and your partner are facing in the business? Uh, well, we, we all belong to a CEO peer group, and I've been doing it for 20 years. And that's really where I've gotten uh, some excellent insight. Uh, at, at first, when I was the small company with a lot of larger people that that was very helpful to me to see what they were experiencing so as i approached new challenges i had people who had already been through them and i could see their problems how they dealt with them what they did right what they did wrong now i'm 
sort of on the other end of that. I'm the larger company helping other people. Mm-hmm. But it's been uh, very, very valuable for me to do that. And then I read everything. I'm always reading. So I would advise people to to read, not not just listen or, or watch videos, actually read things because they'll, they'll sink in and you'll, you'll get insights constantly if you read enough. There are so many. I assume when you say reading, you read a bunch of different things, including books. I do. Okay. Books. I read books. I read papers. I read, you know, articles, whatever I can get my hands on that I think might be interesting or relevant. Great. Uh, and there's such a, an abundance now of, of different books and, be, you know, other things that people can learn from that really is an information age in the sense that if you're curious about something, you can certainly find an author or two who's focused on that topic as well. Yes, couple, absolutely. A couple more questions for Dave Mirsky here of Pacific Rim Capital on the Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Can you share your core philosophy? I call it the guiding principle, but can you share your core philosophy that you're, you have used with your partner to kind of build the culture of your company? Yes, absolutely. Number one for us is ethics. We run a, an honest business, and we always have. And what that means is we never cross the line. We always answer questions honestly. We show customers as much transparency as possible. And we do the same with our investors and our banks. Um, I borrow about $200 million a year from commercial banks in order to fund my leases, and I've got a pool of lessors that invest in these deals with us built a very, very strong reputation because of our honesty. Uh, I never sell someone a deal that I wouldn't do myself. Um, and, and over time, the sort of uh, top-down way of thinking becomes part of your business. That's number one. Number two, of course, is customer service is absolutely paramount. So, you know, it, first you want to be extremely ethical and honest. Number two, you want to make sure the customer is happy. Number three, you want to make a profit. So those are the three things that have always driven our business. And number four is treat your fellow employees with respect hmm. and dignity and know that they're always on. Even if you don't agree, they're trying to accomplish the same thing that you are. Interesting. So, so deal with things from that viewpoint. I don't like conflict in the business. Yeah, I mean, sometimes healthy conflict is important because people need to speak frankly about what they're thinking, right? But con- right, right. conflict for conflict's sake can, can be pretty disruptive to a culture. It, it Absolutely. So you're going to be back here on the show like you know you were in the past, sometime in the future. I'm going to ask you to come back and give us an update. What's going to be different in the future, David? I might be retired. <laughs> Do you have you're going to have to hurry up. <laughs> oh, really? You're looking for an exit there soon? Uh, well, well, I, you know, as I mentioned, we were half acquired by, uh, by Fuyo General Lease, a very good company from Japan. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in my early 60s, and, and certainly within the next five years or so, I would expect to be, to be retired. So you, you would probably need to get to me before that. Okay. All right. Well, it'll be nice to see what you're looking at in three years as you're planning your exit. So do me a favor. You know your schedule better than I do. Don't leave without coming back on Critical Mass and giving us a final shot at asking you I questions. Promise. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, if someone would like to learn more about the firm, how do they find you online, your firm? Okay. Well, we are at uh, www.pacificrimcapital.com. Please come and look at our website call us. We're, we're very happy to talk to people. I personally like to mentor entrepreneurs. I've been involved in some mentorship activities, so if anyone has questions for me, I'm very happy to answer them and see if I can help. So please please check us out. That's a very kind offer. Thank you for being a long-term friend of the program, a part of the Critical Mass community. Nothing but continued success, David, for you and your partner, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thanks, Rick.
Thanks very much. You're welcome. I'd also want to thank our engineer, Paul Roberts, and our three producers without whom we could not do this show each week, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me, I say let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, spelled F-R-A-N-Z-I. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.